Hi, everybody. Welcome back to BXB, episode number eight. Eight for Yogi Berra, of course, and for Bill Dickey. Let's not forget, it's retired for him, too. I'm Sweeney Murdy, along with Keith McPherson. We're BXB, the Yankees podcast, brought to you by Odyssey. Keith, uh, I think people were disappointed a little bit. You kind of have to be waiting for Aaron Judge to hit number 62 at home, and it didn't happen. Well, they don't deserve to get that at home. <laughs> like I, I just said, uh, you know, and I was in there. I was in there Friday, and then I didn't go Saturday or Sunday. I'm over it. I think everybody should be over it now as a Yankees fan that, you know, all the hype that went into who's going to get the call. Is it going to be on Apple TV or, oh, if I get this ball, I'm paying my kids tuition, my mortgage, like – want to see you know we want to see something cool keith every night you're on the radio broadcast and telling me tell me something cool we want to see something cool seeing aaron judge at number 62 at home would have been cool yep but you know what sometimes people overhype the situation they gas the situation and they make it awkward like that whole setting was awkward every time he came up to the plate we got 60 that first Tuesday game against the Pirates last week to start the homestand. And then I just knew. I'm like, there's too many randoms and casuals and people showing up to the stadium that aren't interested in seeing something cool as far as the team. They just want to see the Yankees or they, they just want to see one Yankee uh, hit one home run and it got done in Toronto. And so they now, leave too, right? Like, yeah. And so like, I, I was watching the game. What was it, Saturday? Yes, I was watching the game Saturday. And as soon as it – like. I've never seen them show Yankee Stadium with fans mass exiting like that, like they showed. Like, oh, Aaron Judge is done. Everyone's leaving. Yes, we know it's a meaningless game against the Orioles. It's a Saturday. wasn't the greatest weather conditions. But that shows you, like, all right, this is what I'm here for. I don't care uh, if Oswaldo Cabrera hits a home run. I don't care if uh, Nestor Cortez has a great outing. I'm just oh, here to see 62. It's not even about leaving early, Keith. You're talking about, like, watch these guys just, like, it's bathroom break, it's concession stands, it's come watch Judge bat, and then even the fourth inning, if he's batting in the fourth inning, we're going to walk up the stands to go do something else. Yeah, it created an, an environment for me that I wasn't used to in there. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for October and the postseason. I love that, like, you know, the homestand is done. And now there's a long break between uh, this judge watch and when we actually get a full stadium of fans that are locked into every pitch. And, you know, judges' home runs will be 0-0. All, everyone's stats are zero. The records are zero. So there won't be this odd, like, oh, here comes judge to the plate. Um, I feel like he'll get it done in Texas, and that's where it rightfully should happen. I feel like Yankees fans, New Yorkers, just made it too much of a tennis oh, match, a golf no, match. No, no, you're, yeah. you're sending this the wrong way. It should have happened at home. No, nope. for a lot of reasons, <laughs> it needed to happen. No, no, you're wrong. You don't deserve it. it. Yankee, Yankees fans, New Yorkers don't deserve it. Stop bad mouthing the fans who come. Listen, they came to see something historic, and okay, so what? They weren't locked into every pitch to Harrison Bader. Okay, Aaron Judge <laughs> is the face of the Yankees. Forty thousand people packed a stadium against an Orioles team that had no advance sales. Right, the last three games against the Orioles, you, you don't expect more than twenty thousand in the seats for those. Right, you got forty thousand plus for all of them. They came to see Judge. There's nothing wrong with that, Keith. I don't blame them for coming to see it. I understand they're not locked in on every pitch to Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Doesn't matter. It should have <laughs> happened at home for the people who came out to but see. But it, it didn't. That's how the universe works. It's like you guys did too much. You overdid it. Oh. Uh, even with the live look-ins, like they're cutting in 
from college football to Aaron Judge. That had a big thing online. All these football people chiming in. Oh, we don't care about the Yankees. We don't care about this record. We care about football. Uh, I feel like it got very overdone. There was a lot of hype around it. And that's why they say don't believe the hype. As soon as you start believing the hype, as soon as you start buying into all this hype around one thing, it doesn't actually happen. Yeah, well, let's remember the judges' season isn't just hype. Okay, 61 homers, 130 RBIs, 311 at the moment. Like, this is a historic season, okay? So I know people are disappointed about the weekend. And if it's funny because I saw somebody tweet this. I forget who it was. But if you were watching college football over the weekend and you never really followed Aaron Judge, you'd probably think he kind of stinks because all you see, saw him do was strike <laughs> out and walk a couple of times over the weekend, which brings us to the idea of pitching to Aaron Judge this weekend. Saturday was a little, you know, listen, listen all weekend it was pretty clear. It was away, 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 away. The only pitch that really came inside to judge was the one that hit him and really just got away, uh, hit him on the on the arm. But it was, you know, it, they were caught in between, Keith, I felt like, of trying to pitch to him, trying to get him out, but trying really hard not to let anything over the plate that he could mash for a home run. They were trying to walk that line a little bit. Sunday's was a lot better than I thought Saturday's, but I mean, he did have a couple of pitches to hit each day. He just did. He missed them. He fouled them back. And that's kind of shows you how hard it is to actually hit a home run. Yeah. I feel like these pitchers were stuck in between wanting to challenge him, but also not wanting to be the guy to give it up. And that's a tough place to be. It's like, okay, I got to make it look like I'm trying to pitch to him. I got to make it look the whole country is watching. They're cutting in on every at bat. I don't want to be that guy. And uh, I love that Jack Curry said, you know, who gave up the home run to Barry Bonds for 73? Who gave up Mark McGuire? Sammy's like, none of us remember these pitchers. So these pitchers got to just go at judge. And then the next day they did. He struck out three times. It is just a weird environment or was a weird environment for baseball, for history. Uh, It didn't happen in New York. I hope it happens in Texas. And then I hope they give him some rest or, you know, we kind of come down from this. All I need is 62 now. I know that he was on pace for 66, 65, 64. But what's also concerning is with this odd setting, with all of this hype, Judge did kind of go into a slight slump. He has not hit at the pace that he was hitting. And he dropped a couple points in batting average. So, like, I'm also looking at the triple crown. I want him to have the triple crown just as much as I want him to have that record. And uh, now, you know, Minnesota's playing games. I think Luis Arise sat one or two games this past week, and they're Mm kind of making sure that he keeps his average up. They're probably looking at pitching matchups, and we'll see. It's it's two things. It's not just Judge 61. It's also the Judge triple crown, and I need him to get that triple crown this year. If he comes up .002 short, uh, that will be more frustrating that, you know, he slumped during it and he wasn't even slumping in the beginning it's just like as it went on um it was just walks and then it's, strikeouts it's, at the end of the pitches he's seeing keith there are not a lot of pitches to hit right now so you're right. seeing him walk as much as he's striking out he's striking out maybe you know listen I, I will give them a little bit of credit for sunday like they came at him a couple of different times and again everything's kind of away and trying to reach for that lower edge of the zone trying to reach to that outer edge of the plate um and they're nibbling and they're trying not to be the guy who goes up the home run uh, i get it but you know listen it's also like the idea of you know you're trying to get him out and they did a good job of getting him out um 
the batting title is going to be interesting here. Luis Arise did sit out a couple of days. And listen, people are losing their Yankee fans. There is a segment of Yankee fans who are losing their minds. Luis Arise is sitting on, on 315 right now uh, in hopes of holding on to that batting title. And honestly, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And there's not a whole lot wrong with that. This is a this is not about a couple of days pursuit. This is a season long pursuit. He's been out there for 550 plus at bats. It's really not that big of a deal if you're holding on to it. And I caution Yankee fans to jump to too many conclusions because if Aaron Judge somehow finds his way in the lead on Wednesday, you know you wonder how many at bats he's going to get and hold on to that. You know, this is not an uncommon theme. I know we all want to see Ted Williams 1941. But come on, people sit on batting titles all the time. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I, I'm, I'm not all that upset at Luis Arise. Aaron Judge needs to get off the deck today with three hits if he wants to jump back in this batting race. It's competition. It's Major League Baseball. These guys don't want to just bow down to Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees. That's actually the last thing these guys want to do. So I get it. I understand it. And I hope in Texas – in Globe Life Park, their brand new stadium, their brand new ballpark that I don't even know how many fans they're pulling in now. It's football season. Um, <laughs> maybe they have uh, 15,000 fans there. Hopefully it's a nice, quiet environment in a beautiful brand new ballpark. And hopefully Judge goes off this week. There's four games. Hopefully Judge goes out there three of the four games, whatever it is, and he has multiple hits and a home run, maybe two. And that's how we close the season. That's all that's really left on the docket here for the Yankees. It's going to be a bigger environment for sure. Remember, the Yankees make one visit to Texas, okay? Um, teams in others, play, fans in other cities buy tickets to see the Yankees. The Yankees are a big road draw. So, I mean, I would be highly disappointed if it was only 15,000 in Texas to see the Yankees. I don't come. know how many fans their new place holds 15 is definitely definitely low but you know it won't be forty five thousand like it was for yankee stadium and it won't be uh the same type of environment i don't know i, ho- I hope people go yeah i think listen it, uh, I, he needs to if, if we the, the triple crown is something that i think we're all kind of excited to see and i've been watching it for you know really for about a month now he was he was 20 points out in the lead a month ago on labor day and i said listen this isn't out of the realm of possibility i, I you know you, you judge comes up 10 points arise comes down 10 points it's kind of where you are arises you know he had a good couple of games last week in and around the games he set out and pushed himself up to 315. Judge took the 0 for 3, took an 0 for 2. He was 1 for 7 on the weekend. That's going to bring it down. He needs a he needs a 3 or 4 hit night tonight to put a little pressure back on Arise, and I think that would be fun to watch if he can get it. It's just tough because they're not trying to be the guy in the 62 video because right. uh, you might not remember it 10 years from now, but we'll remember it these next couple years so, yeah, give Judge some pitches to hit. I just looked up 48,114 uh, fit in Globe Life Park. You're going to get 35,000 plus for these games. You, in a stadium that big, in a ballpark that size, you probably will get 30,000, maybe 35,000 people. It's Texas. There's so many people out there. Everything's bigger in Texas on a Monday night. 
Uh, the Cowboys played yesterday. Yeah, there'll be a, a the ton Yankees of people there. The Yankees saw Keith, and they make one visit to all of these places. Yep. People buy tickets to go see the Yankees. I, I said that when the Yankees were struggling. I'm like, do these guys not realize that when they go to St. Louis, St. Louis always sells out. But when they go to St. Louis, they're they're getting the biggest crowd. They're going to get everybody's best punch. When they went to Pittsburgh. It was the World Series for them. Even in Oakland. Elon Musk buys 20, 25,000 tickets. They've got their biggest crowd of the year for the Yankees. Like everybody wants to beat the Yankees. Everybody wants to knock them off. So play up, be ready for that. So you're right. It's really about just finishing this off for judge, but then it's about seeing how other guys uh, look at the end here. I don't know if we're going to see a Giancarlo Stanton hot streak. Um, Had a couple of hits the other day. The problem is going to be the five-day layoff, and what does it even mean or matter if somebody gets hot because then you're sitting for five days? But seeing Stanton hit the ball hard a couple of times wasn't a bad thing. Yeah, and I I really want to hope that this bye week does good for the Yankees, and I know it will because there's some guys on the mend, but I one of my biggest fears with this new postseason format was that, okay, yeah, you fight to get one of the top four seeds, and this is baseball where they play every day, and then you sit down for five days, almost a week, and it's like you lose it. Or if you were hot, that gets erased, and then you got to go out there and and, and figure it out um, against a team that just played in a series the week before. So with Giancarlo Stanton, he's such an important part of this lineup. He has to be hitting in October, and I'm kind of resting on the fact that we've seen him do it in October. We've seen him have good postseason moments and he should be able to tap into that and he's over 30 a little rest won't hurt him and hopefully he's just ready for the moment and he's clutch in October like we've seen him before we're listening to BXB it's the Yankees podcast from Odyssey he's Keith McPherson I'm Sweeney Murdy make sure to subscribe and review everywhere you get your podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts I should say and uh, leave us some comments Uh, Make sure you rate it. Do all those things you do. Subscribe, follow. Remember, it's free everywhere you get your podcasts from Odyssey or anywhere else. Um, As the Yankees head into these final few games and try to deal with the bye, they have some evaluations to make. Um, Giancarlo Stanton was certainly part of it, trying to get him going again. But you have some guys coming back from injury that you're going to try to get your last look at here under different circumstances. DJ LeMay, who played twice over the weekend against the Orioles, Keith, nothing special out of him. I don't know what you're going to see over the next few days or how many bats he's going to get, but you kind of have to see DJ LeMay, who smoked the ball a few times to even think about whether or not he can be a player for you because, frankly, Josh Donaldson's played well at third base, especially defensively. Glaber Torres is back. I mean, you're going to play LeMayu over Stanton at DH? Probably not. You know, But if you're going to make any sort of decision on him, you need to see him start ripping the ball all over Globe Life Park for the next few days. And that may not happen in the next couple of days. It's baseball, right? He had some time off. It's not easy to just step back in there. Just how we're talking yes. about, you know, this week off, stepping back in there. So I'm looking at DJ, and, and I'm a DJ fan. I love DJ. When DJ came to this team, I just thought he was perfect mm-hmm. for the New York Yankees, and his first couple seasons were amazing. They were a surprise. This is a guy that they paid six years, $90 million, and he's going to be a bench player in October. He's going to be uh, a defensive replacement or a pinch hit or, you know, depending on a matchup, maybe we see him in certain games, but uh, – I don't think there's enough time for him this week to start scorching the ball, hitting the ball, tagging the ball where you're sure that DJ belongs in the starting lineup. Now, like we saw him 
play second base for Glaber. We saw him play third base for Josh Donaldson. The way Glaber's going, Glaber's got to start. And uh, Josh Donaldson hasn't been bad either, defensively or offensively. So I think it's going to come down to matchups, but most likely DJ is a utility guy, a guy that can play first, second, and third that you'll see come off the bench and pinch hit. So that's fine. What a what a great uh, what a great option to have instead of I don't know uh, Neil Walker or you know I'm trying to go back to some of these uh, utility guys. We have Tyler Wade. We have DJ Lemayu, a batting champ in both leagues and a guy that's gotten MVP votes before. Yeah, and it's listen. It's hard to find the exact right spot for him if he's coming off the bench um, because you're almost you know having to use two players there. Um, you know, the Yankees have plenty of right-handed bats. So to think of him coming off the uh, bench in a certain spot, okay, maybe, you know, the spots where you've seen them hit for the catcher or hit for the shortstop. Uh, but a more intriguing option in that regard is the left-handed bat of Matt Carpenter, who's going to start getting some at-bats and shake the rust off in a little alternate site camp the Yankees are setting up at Somerset and try to get him some at-bats get going here. Now, I don't expect him to be Roy Hobbs, Keith. I don't expect him to be the guy who you know we saw in July hitting at a judgian pace of home runs, but he can be a very important bat in a certain spot all you need is one big hit sometimes in October to make a difference. Boy, did I want to see him come back against the Rangers, right? Because he was with the Rangers in their organization in AAA, and they wouldn't call him up. That's how this whole story started this season. He was uh, doing his thing in AAA, and they didn't see it fit to bring him up to the big club. So he asked for his release. And when he asked for his release, who was right there waiting? Brian Cashman and the New York Yankees. So I thought it would have been full circle for him to come back and uh, get a chance to mash against Texas. But whatever, we had to make some moves yesterday to bring Chichi Gonzalez in, and uh, now he's on the 60-day IL. But what was good about this week was that we saw him in the cage. We saw him with the team the last couple weeks, but now we saw him with a bat in his hand uh, doing baseball stuff. So that tells me that, hey, this guy has got to be like 80 90% there, but now it's about using this time between today, October 3rd, and October 11th, to get his timing back, to get him some live at-bats so that he can be that threat. I can't wait for the Yankees to press that button. And here comes Matt Carpenter off the bench, the left-handed bat late in the game, a guy who's a threat to hit a home run. And, uh, you know, even if he works a walk or hits a double, it's another good option to have off the bench. Like I said, instead of uh, Mike Ford, it's Matt Carpenter. You know, you don't have to really – answer the questions until Benintendi comes back. If he comes back later in the postseason, if it becomes, you know, if that actually becomes a thing, but you know, the Yankees actually look like they have some depth at this spot now, you know, with um, Oswaldo Cabrera playing in the field and bench bats in LeMahieu and Carpenter. Now, again, we don't really know who those guys are right now, you know, because ideally if they were healthy, they wouldn't be just bench bats, right? They'd be something else for the Yankees. But they're coming back late and you're trying to squeeze them in and see what happens. I really can see Carpenter making a difference in kind of in the Raul Labanez kind of role. When we saw 10 years ago what he did off the bench, he spelled a slumping A-Rod, right? So, you know, maybe you know they, they actually put – excuse me, they pinch hit for A-Rod and put him on the bench. Maybe this is what happens to Stanton, right? If he doesn't get going or if he's, you know, going through a drought and you're in a big spot in one of these postseason at-bats where you get a matchup that probably favors Carpenter over Stanton. that I can see it as, at least as a possibility. 
Yeah, and we know for sure that Stanton will not be in the outfield. Right? Since right. he came back, we didn't see him there. So he is just a DH. And if he's a DH going 0 for 4, 0 for 5 with a golden sombrero in October in the uh, DS or the CS, you can't have it. So, again, what a good option to have. Matt well, Carpenter off the bench as DH or starting as DH after a night that John Carlos struggles. Yeah, and listen, you know, he's he's not playing the field because the Yankees have a much better defensive alignment right now. Uh, when you have Judge in right and Bader in center, and we, you know, this is going back to what the Yankees envisioned at the trade deadline. They needed a center fielder. They got one. We finally seen him for a couple of weeks now. And uh, the Yankees outfield alignment is a lot better. Oswaldo Cabrera is in left. But their infield defense, you know, is really good too with healthy Rizzo back. And I think, you know, I think one of the things we should point out, Keith, is that we haven't really talked about Isaiah Conner-Falefa much, right? Because he's made all the plays. Mm-hmm. Both stops are going to make errors in the big leagues. Um, and some of them make more than others. Bo Bichette is certainly one of them. And I think we saw last week and we saw him like, how does like how does, how does does some of those plays even happen? It doesn't even look like, you know, like those should even be possible with some of the throws he's making. But Conner-Falefa has worked really hard in the second half here, especially. And... When you saw him, like, what, about a month ago, you saw him go through a little bit of spate of errors there. But now here you go again, and he is playing really well. You're not noticing him, which means he's playing well. This is a pretty good infield defense, and, you know, Connor Falefa is a big part of it. I have no problems with IKF as of right now. I know he had a big error in the Brewers series, I think, in Tampa, too. Yeah. But he's the guy, right? It's not Oswald Peraza. He's a young guy. He's a talented guy but he's not the guy that you're going to stick at shortstop for this run in October. IKF was the guy in the offseason that they wanted. We got to ride with him, and I think he's going to have some clutch moments. I think he's going to have a big moment or two, maybe at the plate, maybe defensively, right? And I, I think we've talked about this. You know, IKF, they like IKF for his range, the routine plays yeah. you expect him to make, the the range he plays you don't expect him to make, and he gets to them. He does sometimes. So I'm looking for that. I'm looking for him to save – a run. I'm looking for him to make some plays going to his right or left where it's like, okay, you know, this is why you have this guy. And also he can, he can steal bases. He can be a threat on the base pass, which is really important to me this October, you know, guys like him and Bader and even Glaber uh, and Rizzo and judge, you know, guys that'll steal bases and put pressure on the opposing pitcher and catcher is needed in October when you're trying to manufacture runs. The, uh, the defense, I got this this morning from Mark Simon at Sports Info Solutions. In, since September 1st, the Yankees have 30 defensive runs saved, and that's uh, tied with the Diamondbacks for the most in Major League Baseball. They're also plus two at both shortstop and center field. So Connor Falefa um, is a plus there, and Bader is a plus there, because remember, early in the year, the Yankees were in negative in center field. When Hicks was there, and even with Judge there, they're basically kind of average to below average um, with the range um, in their center field. And Bader has, has stepped that up. Um, it's what the Yankees envisioned defensively is really starting to, to show up now. And I think as we talked about, Donaldson's a big piece of this. I mean, even if he hasn't had that big blowout offensive spurt, that MVP like spurt that we've kind of waited to see, he's still showing you some value um, with certain at bats and especially on the defensive side. He's, he's played great defense at third. He gets everything. He's had some throws go all over the place, whatever. It's a long throw. For the most part, he's solid. For the most part, I feel confident with him on the hot corner, like he's going to take care of it. Uh, IKF, Glaber, 
Rizzo, and then in the outfield, like you said, this one of the biggest things that changed with this team from last year to this year was defense. Last year, they had a bunch of guys playing out of position. Last year, they had different guys in the lineup and different guys in the field every yeah. day. There was no continuity. There was no, like, there was no consistency between these guys every day to say, hey, like, you know, this is my territory or this is how I'm getting to the ball or this is how you can expect me to throw the ball, you know, Rizzo fielding everything. Like, I feel like they've played so much now down the stretch here with these guys in the same spots in the lineup and the same spots in the field. They're ready to roll. And in the beginning of this season, right, someone showed a uh, a lineup from the beginning of the season and Donaldson was leading off. And I'm like, why was Donaldson ever leading off? They were experimenting. They were trying things. And that's something I've said this whole season on WFAN. The Yankees like to collect data. They like to try things. They like to do things. They like to see how it works. And then I guess they feed that back to their analytics team and they try and find the best options after that. Right now, they have a pretty solid offensive team. Uh, Ryan just put in the chat that quietly IKF is batting 272 with a 116 weighted runs created plus since September 1st and three home runs. This is a guy that I thought would not hit one home run this season. (laughs) He added added three home runs in this last month. So um, they're doing it defensively first. And that is what you need in October. Uh, You you need to be tight as you can be. You can't have any mistakes. You can't have, you know, a couple balls leak through with guys on base and get in trouble. I have confidence in this defense, and I definitely have confidence in this lineup. They have Aaron Judge and a lot of other guys that will make you pay if it isn't Judge. Uh, I want to talk about starting pitching in a minute, but where defense kind of plays into the what I'm kind of worried about with the bullpen, because as we've talked about, the bullpen has a lot of contact pitchers, not a lot of swing and miss pitchers. Um, so the defense is going to have to come up and show up. But on top of that, the bullpen is still kind of a mess because you're trying to figure out, you know, They've already gone through this month not knowing who their closer is, and now people just keep getting hurt. Clay Holmes is done for the rest of the regular season. You hope that he's healthy enough and ready to go once the playoffs start. Uh, Ron Marinaccio left Sunday's game. They say it's not a big deal right now, but hey, listen, everything's a big deal when the calendar says it's October and Marinaccio's leaving a game because of a problem with his shin that apparently he's been dealing with for several months now. Uh, the Yankees' most trusted relievers – it's not a long list right now, Keith. They're still searching. Yeah, that's why I'm hoping that our starting pitching can go six, seven innings and they're solid. But, yeah, going back to what you said about, you know, these little injuries, like I don't trust any of that because a little thing can turn to a big thing, especially with the Yankees. They try to downplay injuries, and then we find out later, oh, this guy is hitting the IL, or there was more to it. Uh, I was just thinking about Wandy this morning. You know, Wandy went down. And it seemed like a get right IL stint, like, hey, get right, get your mechanics together, rest up and be ready for October. I'm all the way out on a roll this Chapman, but I've been all the way out on a roll this Chapman um, pretty much this whole season. Uh, There's not, you know, Clay Holmes, you know, Clay Holmes is a guy that in the beginning of the season we were comparing to Mariano and we were all hailing him as the new closer. And I feel like that was a lot for the guy. I feel like. Uh, you know, he got thrust into this spot and well, physically he has been clearly he hasn't been right this whole yeah. second half. He had a back issue, now he has a shoulder issue. There's a, it's hard there's to a be that there. guy when you're ailing. It's it's hard to be that guy when you're hurting. So the Yankees have a lot of questions. I, I, I have faith in Scott Efros. Uh I have faith in Ron Marinacio if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't really know about Clark Schmidt. I don't really know about, you know, Lucas Lickey or 
you know, some of these other guys. And then now you're seeing different guys like Jacob Barnes. And uh, yeah, that was that was just kind of a I, know, you know, I know. I know. And Scott Efros are guys here who, you know, they're going to be thrust into some big spots here. And you got to figure out who you can trust. They still don't have a lot of swing and miss guys. Loisaga is their best option. Um, you know, Clark Schmidt, they're trying to force into this and say, OK, can he be the one in guy? They do like how he bounces back physically. The one thing I kind of like, I, I kind of wonder if they're going to do, though, you know, because they're relying on a lot of contact guys and not a lot of swing and miss guys, it's hard to, to parade in four different relievers a night when they're all putting the ball in play. And, you know, sometimes bad things can happen. Right. Um, I wonder if they are going to be more apt to let somebody who's pitching well pitch more than one inning because they do have some guys who could give you, you know, two inning stints like Loisaga, like Trevino, Efros, uh, even Schmidt, you know, rather than parading in four guys, I think you can, I think, you know, guys doing multiple inning stints could be a real thing for the Yankees in October. Yeah. Domingo Herman already spoke to the fact that he's ready to do whatever they call him, him to do. And I expect him to be a guy that piggybacks off a starter. If I don't know, Nestor can only give you a f- solid four and he looks shaky in the fifth Domingo go. You know, go do what you do. They're they're gonna figure it out. Uh, you know, I remember I, it always sticks with me. And Zach Britton, we'll mention Zach Britton. He's he's out of here. But Zach Britton in 2019, at the end of the season, spoke about how the bullpen was taxed, and you can see that with the injuries these guys have had late in the year. It's a long year. Can't rely on the bullpen in October. Uh, well, you can rely on it, but you can't rely on them to save you every time. And something I I always talk about with Boone, I feel like. He's always ready to go to the pen. And it's like, hey, in October, please let some of these guys compete. Uh, what I feel like with the Yankees is if they let a Garrett Cole compete or a Nestor Cortez compete and they give up a home run, a solo shot or a run here or there, the Yankees will overcome it. This guy, These guys, like, they play for each other. It's, it's a team. You know, watching them celebrate, even watching, like, uh, Josh Donaldson, the way he hugged Trevino – I'm like, these guys have gone through this whole season. They went through the good times, the bad times, and they came through it clean with the division win, clinched the AL East, the best division in baseball. They're ready to go. And I don't see the bats going quiet, and I don't see one of our pitchers giving it up and the Yankees not coming to the plate with an answer. I think they'll be fine, and uh, it won't be such a, okay, come on, bullpen's got to save us. You remember that year? It was like Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino, and and – we, it was almost so predictable what innings we were going to go to them and then how much we were putting on their shoulders. I don't expect it to look like that this October. And that's why I think they've got a little bit more than a fighting chance. They certainly have had their lanes to go in as they as the terminology goes these days, but I think you might have to expand those lanes a little bit to get guys, you know, to maybe get five, six outs rather than just three. Um, you're listening to BXB. It's the Yankees podcast. New one here from Odyssey. He's Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. You get us anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow, subscribe. It's all free. Uh, rate, review, all that jazz. And uh, follow us along here through the Yankees ride in October. Nestor Cortez closed out his regular season this weekend with a fabulous performance, a strong finish. Remember, he had a little rut earlier in the year, but came out of that really well, finished very strong. Nestor Cortez has been the Yankees' most consistent pitcher, and it has people wondering where he falls in the playoff rotation. Listen, I don't think there's any entertaining this. Garrett Cole's still your game one starter, and he's just going to be. 
Uh, I understand the questions, but I kind of have a way that the I kind of have it figured out how the Yankees rotation can play out. And um, but first, you know, Keith, you've been you know, you've loved Nestor all year long. What's not the like, right? I mean, he's a guy that when we were going into the season, we had a big question mark over his head. Garrett Cole, too. But I remember using the phrase, what if he turns back into a pumpkin? You know, people say that, right? Like, what if there was magic last year and he comes back down to earth this year? And he didn't. And he put in the work. And his legend grew more. And there were more T-shirts and more fans showing up with mustaches. And Nasty Nestor became an actual thing in not just the Yankees universe, but in all of baseball. He was an all-star this year. And, uh, you know, I, I got to connect with the guy. He, he reached out to me on Twitter, was listening to my radio show. And uh, we get to texting and talking, and next thing you know, he comes on, and and that obviously makes me even more of a fan because he's a regular guy. I have some homies from the 305 Hialeah area, like Hialeah area where he grew up, so it's like even more of a connection for me. Like I know, you know, where he was competing. Same high school as Bucky Dent, Keith. Yeah, and then I met Bucky Dent a couple weekends ago, and Bucky Dent told me that, and then we talked about that, and he's a big Nestor fan, so – you know, I, I root for, you know, the average man, the everyday guy like Nestor, who's undersized, but is athletic, is competitive, and he's playing over his head for a long time. And I, I text him after the game uh, this past uh, Saturday. I just sent him the king emoji. I'm like, you're king of New York, bro. I'm like, what you did this season, like, we haven't seen many starters do that in pinstripes. Yeah. You just put together one of the best seasons for a Yankee starter in history, and that's forever. You're a king, no matter what. So go into October and continue it and uh, cement your legacy, and the money is going to be on the way. So Nestor Cortez is my guy. I'm I'm not saying he's a game one starter, ladies and gentlemen. I know I know Garrett Cole is. I know That's why you go get a Garrett Cole, right? Yes. That's why you went and paid him all that money, because you needed to stabilize this rotation and put a guy like that at the top, who just broke Ron Geardry's record. Like, he put together... Uh, you know, a rough season, but still a historic season as well with those 248 strikeouts. He's got another start here to make us all feel better and make us all believe that he can go in and be shut down. And I think he can. He has postseason experience and it's different uh, when you get to October versus, you know, a July hey, game in the Bronx. When you strike out 250 batters in a season, you are a dominant pitcher. Now, the home runs are a problem. No doubt about it. Um, but he's getting the ball in game one. You, as you said, this is why you got him. You got him to go out there and be that guy. So you have to give him the chance because he gives up a few home runs. You know, think about this way. You think about the idea of his psyche and, uh, and, and any sort of frailty in his psyche. What are you doing to it if you say, guess what? You're not good enough to pitch game one anymore. We're going to put you in game two. Here's how I see it shaking out, okay? Uh, Remember, there are off days to consider. It's a different kind of schedule in the first round. Uh, So you can bring back your game one starter in game four on full rest. Here's Mm -hmm. the way I think they're going to play it. I think they'll play Cole, Cortez, Severino, one, two, three. Game four, if needed, you come back to Cole. Game five, it would be short rest for the game two starter. So Cortez would be available, but I think you bring Tyone into that game five spot there, um, fully rested. And everybody, obviously it's all hands on deck if you get to a game five. But what that means is if you advance to the next round, Keith, assuming you win in four or five games, 
you can have Cortez start game one of the next series. Mm-hmm. He goes game, and that's a best of seven now. So now you're talking about game one starter in the LCS. By the way, against maybe Houston. You know, you, you're going to get caught up in whether or not he starts game one of the first round, but then the second round starts and it's against Houston. Cortez would be a, a, as good a starter as anybody in game one there. You go game one and five. Again, you're going to go four men. You go one and five there. You can go two and six with Garrett Cole. You can go three and seven with Severino and, and then four with Tyone again. Um, I think that's the way it can play out for the Yankees over the first two rounds if obviously they get there and get there in some sort of normal fashion. I'm with it. I'm down. At this point, there's like no turning back, no second guessing. Uh, you know, whatever the Yankees do, we're rolling with. So I, I know that the argument that uh, Nestor should be the game one starter is really just a Twitter conversation. Uh, I know that it's going to be Garrett Cole. And I wish the best for him and all of us. Right. There is a chance that he goes out and dominates and keeps the ball in the park. And and I'll take that chance. So good enough. for Listen, me. And everybody. You're number one on the day you pitch, right? It's there's nothing less about. Plus, let's say for argument's sake, Garrett Cole loses the first game. Okay, game two is huge, and you've got Nestor Cortez. That's a that's still a real thing. Everybody has to be number one on the day that they pitch. And you know, Garrett Cole had a still had a decent regular season, right? I mean, you can look at some other guys who who haven't had good regular seasons, but when you're talking about a guy who's still pitching to an ERA under three and a half over 250 strikeouts over, you know, uh, uh, and is, has a, a strong workload, there is dominance there. The home runs have tended to ruin it. And I get that, but it brings me back to something, you know, what did we learn in the Mets Braves series? Keith <laughs> got to hit home runs. Well, I you mean, gotta hit them, but the good team that out homers, it's like, you know, that's the good whole game pitchers, right there. And he, good pitchers still give up home runs. Great pitchers still give up home runs. And if you do, you're going to lose the game. Or you probably can lose the game. And we just saw DeGrom and Scherzer do it over the weekend. And this is what happens when you run into good hitting teams in October. The home run ball, and this goes for the offense and the pitching, Keith. The home run ball plays. They, they are good things to have when you're hitting. They are bad things to have when you're pitching. And, oh, by the way, great pitching still can give up home runs. Yeah, uh, Ryan just sent this from Mike Petriello. The Mets had 10 more singles than the Braves this series and struck out less, but Braves outscored them 14-7 to with seven home runs compared to three for the Mets. And that's it. That's all she wrote, you know. And then, I mean, the Mets aren't a home run hitting team. I, I've been forced to watch the Mets this year more than I ever have. And I thought last night was going to be a night where they have 14 hits and they single them to death. No, chicks dig the long ball. Matt Olson and Dansby Swanson, no. If I hit this ball out, like it's going to be turned up in here. They're going to turn the lights out. They're going to do the chomp and we're going to dominate. And that's going to lead us to wins. And, and they have a few guys in that lineup that can do that. That's how you beat great pitching. You don't single them to death and win, right? This is this is just what happened. You know, you know, the Braves have some good pitchers. The Mets have some good pitchers, and that, and that you know that just points it out right there. And I thought it, you know, I thought it was kind of funny because you know, you hear, and, and I'm sure you've gotten them right. You've gotten the callers all year long, the Met fans who are killing Garrett Cole and say we've got the aces. You know, listen, Degrom and Scherzer are still outstanding pitchers, and they <laughs> could still make a really good run in the postseason, but. You know, you get down to this series and the fans who are killing Cole for giving up home runs now get to watch their guys give up home runs. You got to sit back and just take it. It was a good night last night and it's a good day today because all of these things that Mets fans tried to say to Yankees fans all year, 
Now we're looking back at them like, shut up. <laughs> you know, with Garrett Cole, exactly. Like, oh, who's the? Re- we got two real aces in New York. Okay, okay, we get it. Scherzer and DeGrom are great. They're two of the best in the league. And but they, they can are. get rocked too. They can give up home runs too, and we watch that all weekend. And it, they move the goalposts. It's different when it's them, right? It's like, oh, they're going to bounce back. You know, they're going to learn from this. No, they gave it up in the biggest series. You had the whole season on the line. You had your best guys lined up. And they they failed. You know what? Because those other guys get paid too. Those other guys have nice houses yeah. and nice cars too. And if you leave one in the zone, they can hit it out. And Garrett Cole has left a bunch in the zone. I think he might be still the American League leader. Or actually, no, we're about to face the American League leader from Texas uh, and giving up home runs. But like, once we get to October, Aaron Judge is going to hit, hit home runs. Josh Donaldson is going to hit home runs. Oswaldo Cabrera, John Carlos Stan, Glaber Torres, Anthony Rizzo. Like, that's why I say I think they can overcome Garrett Cole. That's why I say, you know, if he gives up a solo shot early, it's not going to beat us. We've seen it all year. They bail him out. And I think that'll continue again. But yeah, great point with watching Scherzer and DeGrom get rocked by Dansby Swanson and Matt Olson and not be able to pitch, not be able to, you know, they all gave up earned runs, three earned runs, four earned runs off the long ball. I I don't think they can overcome bad starts from Garrett Cole. They can overcome a home run ball, but not multiple home run balls. You know what I'm saying? They need, they still need Cole to perform. And, you know, uh, during last week's rain delay, I was talking to David Cohen on the air. And one of the things he talked about is, is just opportunities. You get a good pitcher, more opportunities. And you can say, okay, he hasn't been a big game pitcher. He hasn't done this. Just keep getting more opportunities. And eventually you're going to get that kind of performance. And Cohen's a great example of it. If you know, he is, you know, he has this great reputation as a big game and an October pitcher, but there are some scattered games in his long playoff resume where he's gotten rocked a few times and he comes back and lives to tell about it because he gets more opportunities and comes up with another big spot in another in another game and ends up giving you the outing that you're looking for and Garrett Cole will have hopefully some more of these opportunities in this coming postseason yeah so Garrett Cole leads the American League with 32 home runs given up Um, It's Josiah Gray who leads all of baseball with 38, but plays for the Washington Nationals. I thought Perez or somebody from Texas also gave it up, but right under Cole is Robbie Ray, uh, Cy Young winner. (laughs) He he won the Cy Young over Cole, and he pitches for too from the from the Blue Jays. Yep, guys that are going to be pitching in the postseason that have given up a ton of home runs. Uh, Sean Mania from San Diego, Charlie Morton, who we just saw pitch last night. Uh, it just shows you they pitch a lot, right? That's just part of sure. it. Sure, right? they make their starts. They make yeah. their starts. <laughs> yeah, the guys, you know, you guys who aren't good pitchers who give up a lot of home runs, you know, they're they're not going to start thirty times for you. Uh, they're going to get sent out. But you know, you talk about all these guys and try to figure out what the good matchups are going to be. I caution everybody: don't worry about that. Just wait for your opponent and come prepare for them. Uh, it's you know, the Yankees at this point in time. Uh, if the seedings hold, are going to play the winner of a Cleveland-Tampa Bay series, and we're going to start to say, who do you want to face? Don't play those games, Keith. Yeah, In nope. 2006, I... I remember that everybody wanted to play the Tigers and not the Twins because the Twins had Johan Santana. Don't want to face Santana twice in a five-game series. Well, you faced – uh, Kenny Rogers once in a four game series and got wiped out by the Tigers. It's dangerous to play those kinds of games. I caution everybody just watch to see what happens and prepare for who comes out of it. 
Yeah, be careful what you wish for and what you put out there. It is October. It is spooky season. It could get scary real fast. It does not matter if it's the Guardians, if it's the Tampa Bay Rays who we're more familiar with. Anyone can get beat. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I really don't care who we play. I just hope that the Yankees show up and play their game and their brand of baseball in Yankee Stadium and on the road. But in Yankee Stadium, there's a bigger advantage with the fans and having that home field environment. So I know you've got, you know, uh, a lot of things still keeping you busy and it is football season and basketball's coming, but you know, and the, you want to watch, we're going to watch the other playoff series, but the Yankees themselves are going to have some days off. You might have time to, you know, tackle some of the homework assignments. Have you completed any so far? Or, you know, have you seen 61? Have you watched the God? Uh, I've, seen, I've seen 15 minutes of 61. Oh, oh my gosh. Where I see Roger Maris's family, uh, oh. not the real family that we've seen during the games. We see them oh. uh, as actors and we see the Mark McGuire chase. And then it starts to get into, you know, they introduce Mantle and Maris and, I dozed off after that, but it's it's on pause. It's uh, on pause. I can go back to it. I, you've got you've got. I don't have the time. Oh. <laughs> or the or the. I don't. It's not even that I don't have the time. I don't have the time, and I don't have the like attention span or like capacity to sit there and take in any kind of oh. movie. I am I am a sports fiend. The only thing that can satisfy me, entertainment wise are live plays. Like, I need to see really? like the, the ball three, in play. Three-hour, 35-minute Yankees-Orioles game yesterday, which was like watching paint dry. That kept your attention, but you can't watch. There was also NFL Red Zone on, so yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, well. Okay, well, I will give you an incomplete. Um, yeah. I'm not going to give you a thing. Like, I got to download the uh, Wilburys album as well. Never heard of the Wilburys until you yeah. posted that. I get I I can't I had a little middle age crisis moment where I realized that I'm older than every traveling Woolberry and Keith said who are they? Um, I, never, I get it. Okay? Never heard of them. People Listen. were sending me links. I'm like I, I'm. Yeah, you know, I, I was today years old when I found out who the Wilburys were. They were 35 years ago, right? And I get it. Um, but you know George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, Jeff Lynne, Tom Petty. Um, you know, and listen, you can probably send me some stuff from the last 20, 25 years that's probably not in the genre that I listen to regularly. And I'm going to say, who are they? And you're going to laugh at me too, right? So this is kind of what happens here. But it was just one of those moments that just made me feel a little bit older than it should have when I when I looked at a picture of those guys and said, those guys are old and I'm older than all of them. So, you know, it's, that's how I feel watching sports, watching baseball, mm-hmm. watching basketball, football. I'm 34. And that's old in in sports now. If you're a 34 year old player, they look at you like you you got a year or two left. <laughs> yeah, not much. Well, we've got plenty of time left, and we're going to be coming back. Yankees are going to wrap up the regular season this week, and then we'll hit you with playoff previews and go through the playoff stuff along the way. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review, follow all that jazz. We're all free here. It's BXB, the Yankees podcast with Keith McPherson and Sweeney Murdy on Twitter. He is at Keith underscore McPherson. I'm at Yankees WFAN. Our producer is Ryan Chichester, and you've just listened to episode number eight. Keep coming back for more. Lots of fun stuff to take you through October. It's BXP from Odyssey. Thanks for listening.